listen to this first part. The guys don't even have this, but here's just the first part um, in Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary, which pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save the world and his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what was said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give to a son, birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him. He commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Two things today we're going to look at. We're going to look at the place and the name. We're looking at questions for Christmas. Um, I know kids ask a lot of questions. What kind of questions do your kids ask? Why is, why is the sky so blue? And, and, and what do you mean by, what do you mean by we can't afford it? Why can't I stay up as late as you? Remember that? Well, Jesus asked a lot of questions too. He asked questions like, where are the other nine? Who do you say I am? Do you believe? Do you want to get well? Why are you still afraid? Why did you doubt? Do you still not see or understand? Are you also going to leave? What does Scripture say? Who touched me? Do you love me? Remember all those questions that Jesus asked? Well, there's a question in the, in the Christmas story. We've been looking at questions, and the question is where? Where in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2? Where? It has to do with the place. And then we're going to look at the name, and then we're going to tie it all together because there was a question that was asked years ago, and Dr. Cho, the pastor, which is now retired, but the pastor of the largest church in the world, even himself asked the question. That's hard for me to believe that, but when he was young minister, um, back some 70 years ago or 60 years ago, when he was riding around South Korea and ministering to people, um, he asked that same question. Where? Where is Jesus? Where is he? He asked that question. Well, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. It says, and asked, this is Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Where was the Messiah to be born? This event was so necessary. Good morning. This event was so very 
necessary. Imagine coming through the centuries realizing that you've done wrong, and so you went to the priest. The priest would sacrifice an animal, and then they would cover you. That would cover your sin. But it wouldn't be eliminated. It would just be covered. So when Jesus Christ came as a baby, this event was so vital for all of humanity and for us as well, for past, for the present, and the future. This whole event, this whole Christmas of Jesus Christ coming, and then to have King Herod ask, where, where is this child to be born? Well, Micah said it 600 years earlier in the book of Micah. 600 years earlier, Micah, a prophet, was speaking to the people, talking about gloom and despair, and then he gave them hope, and then he comes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, and he says, oh, it's going to be in Bethlehem is where this is going to take place. So, the wise men, the magi, the astrologers, made a suggestion we know where because it says it in the Old Testament. It's in Bethlehem. Remember Bethlehem? Who also was raised in Bethlehem? David was there, the shepherd boy. How about Ruth? Was she there for a while? How about Obed? Yes, they were all there. So this was like home base. How about home base for you? Where, where is your family line from? Mine's from Fairmont, West Virginia. Where is that? <laughs> West Virginia, way on the eastern side. Is it yours, Fort Worth? I know our oldest son was born in Arlington. Other two were born in Fort Worth. Sharon? Fort Worth, um, this is kind of home for them. For me, it's home now. But my brother took a trip back through the family line and ended up in Fairmont, West Virginia with his wife and kids when they were younger. And he went to Uncle Clarence's house down on that one boulevard. I can still see it in my eyes where Grandma used to live. And he, that guy had lived there for 50-some-odd years. And back behind his house was a nice grapevine. Every time I would go there, I'd go to the grapevine and pick grapes off and eat it when I was there in the summer. Enjoyed it. But he went and he knocked on the door. He hadn't been there in 30 years or so. Knocked on that door. And Uncle Clarence answered the door. And he looked at that door and he goes, You're one of Joe's boys, aren't you? <laughs> How did he know that? I mean, Marcus is somewhat older, but there's something about those facial structures. You know, you look and go, you're one of Joe's boys. Well, home base, that's where it's going to happen. When Herod asked a question, they already knew. And so these wise men were going to find and look for Jesus. I started thinking the other day, I thought, if I knew right now that Jesus was on the earth somewhere, let's say he was in the Ukraine somewhere, or maybe he was in Italy, and I had no money, I would sell everything I had and buy a plane ticket. Or I would hitchhike. Or I would stow away on a boat. I'm going to see where Jesus is because of what he did and what was transpiring. This whole story is amazing. And here are these magi. Here are these wise men. 
And the, the message says, which is another translation, that calls them a band of scholars. Who are these wise men? Who are they? They're priests and wise men amongst the Medes and Persians and Babylonians back in the day. They sometimes called themselves the Chaldeans or master astrologers. They uttered prophecies. They were astronomers, astrologers. They were official advisors to the king. They were Gentile scientists. They explained omens, you know, events that were either good or bad in nature. They interpreted dreams. They prophesied by the stars and the moons. They predicted by that. The early church saw them as maybe the first Gentile worshipers of Christ, and they were official advisors, possibly to the king of Babylonian. And even Daniel mentions them in Daniel chapter 2. He says, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers, these are the wise men that came and sought out Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. I wonder what that was like back then, to walk or ride a donkey. I know for me, my truck was broken this week, so it broke. So it's, it was out here, and I couldn't get it to go. So I was like, huh, all right. So I had someone come pick me up, take me home. That was kind of nice. And then I had things I had to do. So I just walked. And I tell you what, I had walked in years. <laughs> and I tell you what, it hurt. After 40 minutes, wow. I was like, wow, that's crazy. But I had my route. And halfway in my route, you know what I was going through. The big Q in the sky. The big QT, there it was. And I was walking up. I, that gave me motivation. It was motivation. But see, I desired to get there. These wise men were looking to go and worship the king. Now, we know the story. Here's King Herod. He gets a little wave of this. Another king? Isn't that something? How it's like, another king? Well, he asks these wise men. He says here in chapter 2, he says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people and the chief priests, he asked them, Where? And of course they answered, In Bethlehem. And then he tells them there about Micah, verse 6 and 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly together and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. We won't go into the star today, but that star is incredible. That just happened to form out in the east. There was a star. Anytime there's something major going on, there's an event that transpires, or an angel shows up. And so here is this star, and they're following this star and it just seems to happen they're getting there to Jerusalem and it moves on toward Bethlehem. Imagine that. After they heard the king, they went on to find baby Jesus. But King Herod says what? He goes, when you find the baby, report back to me. In other words, find the baby. Find the baby. Well, they went to Bethlehem. And I looked yesterday, I thought, is there any more Bethlehem cities in America? There's a whole bunch of Bethlehems in America. I had no idea. There's even a Bethlehem, Texas. Population, 75. East Texas, I-20, out toward Shreveport. Somewhere off of 259, whatever that is. They only had 25 to begin with. Now they're up to 75 people. 
they're really starting to have some momentum there in Bethlehem, Texas. wonder what that's like, living in a community of 75, right? That would be like our church, all, all just populated, scattered throughout Highway 259, right? <laughs> that would be an easy delivery route, wouldn't it? Yeah, you misdelivered? No matter, I'll take you to so-and-so, no big deal. Yeah, wow. So they went to Bethlehem, these magi did, and they were asking the question, where is Jesus? Well, I, I, this came to my mind when I was reading that, and I want to read this to you um, out of Dr. Cho's book when he asked that same question. Where is Jesus? When he was younger and in ministry, he didn't have anything. He didn't have a table. He didn't have a, a chair. He didn't have a bicycle. He had one suit. Can you imagine? He had one suit. He barely had enough money to buy food to live on himself, and he lived underneath kind of a lean-to. Have you ever crossed over the border into Mexico? Have you ever done that? Just in the Petrus Negra? Their houses are made of cardboard. Of course, mine is too, but it's a little more compressed. Have you changed that? It's crazy when I change my clean my house. It was like it's compressed cardboard. I'm like, this is just cardboard. But they literally live with cardboard boxes and two-by-fours or two-by-threes, whatever they can get a hold of, or a stick. So here's Dr. Cho in his, in his early beginnings, and the people there, they were just asking the pastor just for, give me some beans, give me some rice. Just give me a, can you give me a few dollars so I can buy a piece of cardboard so I just have somewhere to live? And he didn't have money to give to them. Can you imagine? So he's thinking, where is this Jesus that I'm serving? Because I'm desperately in need. Maybe you're asking the same question. Where is this Jesus that, Pastor Jay, you're talking about? I am desperately in need. Where is he? So I can go find him and ask him these questions that he writes about, all the blessings and promises. I want to talk to him about that. Where Dr. Cho was like, well, where is this Jesus? Now, if you know, if you ever travel, which I haven't done much of, but those that travel across the, the world, Different cultures have different ways they believe and think, right? We think one way, they think another. So Dr. Cho is oriental. He thinks a different way. So sometimes when you deal with other people, just realize they're not thinking like you think. You're saying something, they're going, yeah, but they really aren't catching it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't have a clue what you're saying. Sometimes it happens. So he's here. He's asking this question. He says, I was very discouraged in this situation about all the different things he couldn't give the people. Though I knew that God had all the resources, in those days I did not know how to touch the Lord and tap those resources. Don't you want to learn how to tap the resources? <laughs> right? We do, don't we? Yes, we do. So there were times I felt I was near to God, and other times I felt like He was just so far away, out of touch. So many times I was confused and wondered whether I was really living in the Holy Spirit. Many a time I would say, Oh, Lord, I know that I, um, in, I am in Jesus Christ, but after having a difficult day, in the evening, when I was tired and prayed, I would finally just end up completely out of touch with him. So I would say, Father, I'm confused. I am so much in and out of thy person that I don't know how to always keep you by my side. Then my struggle to find out the permanent residence of God began. Don't you know when you have questions, what do you do? You start hunting, don't you? You start hunting. When I have questions about the Lord, it drives me to the book. So it drove him to the book. And he goes, and he goes, he goes, I asked Mr. Adam, in his imagination, Mr. Adam, where is Jesus? And Adam was speaking and said, well, he was in the Garden of Eden. 
Well, we know Adam was cast out. So, Mr. Adam, where is he now? Oh, I'm not sure because I'm not there in the garden anymore. Then he says, okay, Mr. Moses, where is Jesus? Well, Mr. Moses, you had the portable tabernacle, and that's where he was, right? Yes. Well, where's the portable tabernacle? Well, it's no longer. Oh, well, where's Jesus? And he keeps going through all the biblical characters. In his mental, he's going, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? He keeps asking. This is going somewhere, by the way. <laughs> you like reading? Because the thing is, what is Jesus' address? You have an address? Yes. We all have addresses where we live. Such and such a street, 100 block, city zip. This is where we live. This is where we reside. So he keeps asking the question. And so he asks John. He even asks Jesus in the Bible. And then it says here, it says, so in my journey to find the address of God, I came to Jesus. Surely in Jesus I would find God. So through Jesus, God spoke, and through the one and only Son, He performed miracles. So wherever Jesus dwelt, there God also dwelt. I rejoiced in my heart to find the address of God, yet still a great question came to my heart. Jesus died, was resurrected, and ascended to heaven. So where is the address of Jesus? Now He's back to square one. <laughs> he's just having a hard time. I came in all the way back to the starting point. Jesus, where are you? Then the answer came. Jesus said, I died and I'm resurrected. I have sent the Holy Spirit to each and every one of my followers. I told you that I would never leave you as an orphan. I told you that I would pray to the Father and he would send you the Holy Spirit. And in that day, you would know that I and the Father and the Father in me, I and you and you and me, Gradually, I began to see that through the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son dwell right in me. I found His address. His address is my address. I like that. You know why? Because I don't really think we realize what we have living within us. Everything you need and everywhere you go, Jesus goes with you everywhere and his address is your address and your address is his address and these wise men were seeking him out yes they found him in bethlehem what a great place it is be called what the house of bread don't you love when you go to a restaurant and they they serve the bread first and it's warm and you cut it and the the, the, the butter is kind of oozing down the bread and you eat it and it's like it's it's very what satisfying it's very tasty it's very good. And so this Bethlehem housed the baby Jesus for a season while they were there. And this whole Bethlehem, this, this bread, this Jesus being the bread of life, this David, the, 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 the Ruth and the Boaz, and this whole thing of God putting this whole thing together was a necessary thing so that we would seek Him out. And when you seek Him, you will Find him. So Dr. Cho finally found God's address was what? Within us. Because you know why? God wants us to know. He wants to meet you right where you are. And the name, the name and the place says it all. The name and the place says it all. Jesus in Bethlehem speaks wonders as these wise men were seeking him out. So as it goes on, we wonder, okay, then we know a little bit of maybe where the address is. 
But what about what the prophet said in Bethlehem? And, and why would anybody seek out this child and go to Bethlehem? Why would they go there to find this king? You know why they went there? Because there's peace. Who here seeks peace? I do. I love peace and serenity. I love to go somewhere where it's peaceful, where you get away from everything. We drive to the country, or we drive to the ocean, or we drive to the mountains. We don't take anything with us, just food and the Bible, and we just relax and just don't want any, I don't want any noise, don't want any troubles. I just want to relax. So here these men are traveling, looking, searching, and they found baby Jesus. What a great place to find him in a manger, to find him a place where there are um, very, very few things to have there. And so there they are, and they're there in the manger, and they bow and they worship. Of course, these magi didn't go to the manger. The shepherds did. They actually went on to the house. So they were there several years later as Jesus was maybe, what, a toddler. So here he is, they're worshiping him, they're giving him gifts. But why was this so important? Why was it so important? Because God had a plan that everyone, everyone might know that anything you go through, he wants to be right there and help you where you are. Even the name itself. In Matthew 1.21, as the angel met Joseph, as we read this morning, it said, call his name Jesus. What's in that name? It means the Lord is salvation. It means that He will save you. That means that He'll deliver you. That means He'll give you power over the bondage of sin. He'll protect you. He'll preserve you from the wrath and the damnation. And I wrote down some things this morning that I really I put down in some other folder. I thought, you know, if you really think about it, what we're saved from, think about it. We're saved from being separated from God forever. We're saved from the eternal fire. I don't know about you, I like fire if I'm kind of away and I get a little warmth from it, but it says that you'll have in the midst of the fire, you'll be separated from God forever There'll be gnashing of teeth. There'll be utter darkness, weeping, unquenchable fire, fire and brimstone. You'll be shut out. All these are scriptural references to those things he's going to save you from. I like that. He paid the penalty for our sin. That's the reason he came as a child. That's the reason these wise men sought him out. It's because he provided something that they needed, a future. And his name has purpose. It delivers mankind from the penalty and the wages. Every week we go to work, we get the wages. We put in a certain amount of hours, 40 hours. We get paid maybe a rate or, or a salary, and they give us a check. Well, when we live this life, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the wages of sin is what? Death. We know that. We're going to be getting those wages. So here he is. He's providing the wages he is taking the hit. He's providing the deliverance that we need. And His name itself is the all-powerful name. And He lives within us because His address is our address. Jesus is His name. He's the Savior. He's the salvation for mankind. And He has a purpose. And you have a purpose because He lives within 
and his name is beautiful. It's that beautiful name, Jesus. Have you ever just mentioned his name in the minute of a, of a, a maybe like a, you get ready to get hit in a wreck or, or something happened? You just mention his name, and he's right there taking care of you as always in protection. Then they called him Emmanuel, as the scripture goes down in that chapter 1. It says, also, he will be what? The birth to a son, they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We know that reference. You know why he's with us? Because he wants you to be just like him. And so the only way you can become like him is if you hang around him. So he goes, you know what I'll do? I will come and live within man so that I can be able to speak to them and show them what I'm like so they become like me. Have you noticed those you hang around, you become like? Hang around somebody who's negative. You start saying negative things. Hang around somebody who's joyful and pleasant. You start saying joyful things. Those you hang around, you become like. It just happens. So Jesus decided to come and live within us. And so he had to come as a child and broke through. Think about it. God came and became a man. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go to heaven and get rid of this body. Of course, it'll be a resurrected body later, but I am done with all the things that what seem to keep pounding upon you day in and day out, day in and day out. And here he comes. He crashes in and says, I'm here. I love you. I have grace and mercy. Yes, there was Moses in the law, but I came to give you grace and mercy. I'm here. I want to provide for you. And so wherever you are, I am. I am right here with you, and I live within you. God will take up residence inside of us and be everything that you need. You're never alone. He's Jesus. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us, and everything we need is inside of us. That's what Dr. Cho found out was that everything he needed was inside of him. That's crazy, right? You cry out in times of need, he hears us. Behold, God is with us. Emmanuel came to bring unity to families. Emmanuel came to break down the wall of hostility. He came to bring freedom to the captive, and he's God in the flesh. That divine presence is within Maybe you yourself, you're asking the same questions like, well, I have the things that, that are transpiring today, so Jesus, I, I have this going on. Jesus, I have that going on. Jesus, I need this today. Jesus, I've got that going on. And even though sometimes we walk through the life, we even question, like some question, am I saved? Am I really saved? Well, 1 John 5 would give us a nice reference to help on, to kind of claim on, to hold on to. It says here, I write these things to you who believe in the name of Jesus the Son so that you may know that you have eternal life. Know that you have eternal life. Know that God's with you. Know that God loves you. And bring it all, bring everything you have to Jesus. I bring my children I bring my prayers, I bring the church, I bring my friends, I bring everything to Him every single day because He wants to be right where you are. So where are you today? What are you dealing with today? What's on your heart today on this Christmas season? Start thinking about some things you can do during this Christmas season 
other than going and buying a present and monetary and giving them maybe the money, how about maybe you provide the bridge for somebody to reconnect? I know this past week for me or past two weeks, I've had something that happened to me that was more costly and precious than gold. The things that transpired because of what happened. I thank the Lord for those things. See, prayer works. And Jesus heard my prayer. It took a few years for him to answer, but he answered. So he wants you to realize, bring it all to him, because he wants to be right where you are. Well, I'm on the side of the road with my pickup. I'm stuck. He's right there with you. Well, I'm, 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 I'm desperately in debt. Okay, you did some things to cause that maybe, or maybe not. He's right there with you. I'm physically ill. I'm extremely sick. And I don't know what to do. Who's with you? Jesus, the baby Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Don't you think he's so concerned about you that he would break through and answer every question that you have? Bring all your questions to him. All your emergencies, big or small. I do it all the time. Father, that didn't work. Did you fix that for me? Lord, help me. Give me wisdom to fix that. He helps me. How about spiritual struggles? Doubts. Yeah. Father, help me with my doubts. Father, help me with my sin. Forgive me. Help me. Steer me in the right direction. Father, help me with my limitation. Help me with my weakness. Help me with my fears. Father, I have questions. I'm longing for security. My future is in question. I have secrets that no one knows about. Failures. Father, I need you. Well, there was a question asked Jesus, and don't you wish sometimes you could actually just go to somebody and physically talk to somebody that like Jesus himself and ask him the question? He just talks right back to you? Well, he does. But I like that. See, that's what that Oriental thing was. He really wanted, because in his Oriental faith and Oriental things that he had before he knew Christ, it says here that they wanted an address. They wanted to go somewhere in front of an idol, and know this is where they're, this is their God, and they can talk to that God face to face. Right? Don't we want to talk face to face? Yes. That's why sometimes that texting doesn't work. What did he say? It's called capitals. My gosh. They're screaming. No, they're not. I just, the button was stuck. So I was just typing. Right? Or I can't see. My glasses are off, so I'm just like, you know. Right? Or I'm just saying it. And Siri said something totally different. Gosh, did you hear what he said? It doesn't work. So I want to talk to somebody face to face. So it's amazing, right? You call somebody, you're calling them, you want to talk to them. I want to meet you. You know, Jesus wants to meet you. And so this man came to him in Luke chapter 18, and he said, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? Evidently, Evidently, he heard some things, and evidently, he's encountering Jesus. His name means Savior, so he's asking, what must I do to be saved? He's asking the right person at the right time, because there he is, and here's Jesus, and he says a few things to him there in Luke 18, 18. He says, well, he says, um, you called me good. He says, why would you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal. He tells the guy, and the guy goes, I've done all that. I've kept those commandments. I'm good. He said, what do I still lack then? 
said, well, he said this. He said, well, you still lack one thing. Don't you want to know what that is? Okay, what is it? Tell me, tell me. What is it? I've done everything that I know. Tell me. He says, okay, I want you to sell everything. Uh, okay, sell that 65 Corvette or sell that, yeah, that new home you just bought. Sell that, sell it, sell it. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Okay, I don't like that. How about you? Do you like that? I don't like that. Because when I get ready to go home here in a few minutes, I walk in to my office with all my books. I like my office. There's something about that. I just like going there and sit in my chair, a cup of coffee, and go, you know, God's good. It's peaceful. There's books where I can read if I want to or not, or I can, I can kick back and take a nap. I'm thinking, sell everything? What's he trying to tell this guy? He's trying to tell him, make me number one. Make, when you have a problem, come to me first. What do you do when you get sick? You run to the cupboard. Okay, okay, where's the, uh, where's the, uh, where's the, uh, right? <coughs> I got a cough. Where's that Robitussin? Where's the Robitussin? I know. I do it too. And God provides it for us, right? He does. There's nothing wrong with taking that. But Jesus goes, come to me what? First. He's telling the guy this. He says, Christ is center, not things. Be willing to follow Christ by denying yourself. Take up your cross, following Christ to the end. Did you get that? Not just today and then the next few days you're good. To the end. You lose your life. What? You live free from the love of the world. You live unashamed of Christ. Some of us are kind of, ashamed that we follow Jesus. We're kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to say anything because then we might be kind of, you know, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. Have you ever done that before? Just mention the name Jesus in a conversation? It changes the whole thing. I'll just try that. 25 drivers in the little cover, they're all talking about whatever. I just I step in the middle of them and say, Jesus. I just try that. It's like scattering, right? I do have my Bible sitting there on my desk. It's just open. I don't know how much time to read it. I may just read a paragraph, but it's just sitting there. And they always know. They always come in, and, and all their notes for things that they need to work on for the day, sometimes I live on top of the Bible. So as I take them off, they see that it's there. And they're, they're like, they don't say nothing, but it's speaking. That's a subtle reminder that. Jesus is in the house. You know why he's in the house? He's inside. He's right here. He's right here. He's right here. Are you catching that? Everywhere you go, Jesus is. Go visit somebody in the hospital. Just go to the hospital. Go to a nursing home. There ain't no one sick there I know of. Just go. Barbara's there. Go visit Barbara in Harris downtown. Just go. And just walk down through the hallway. And you'll see, you'll see somebody. You'll see somebody. And just stop. Can I help you? Or, I know somebody who has everything. And his name is Jesus. 
what would that do for that whole situation? Would it change something? Did baby Jesus change something? Wherever Jesus is, there's change. I wrote that on top of my paper. Everywhere Jesus is, there's change. He comes into Jericho. Blind man healed. Comes into Bethsaida, right? Something, right? Healing. So wherever Jesus is, there's change. But you have to apply it and deny self, follow him, make him number one. Bringing everything to Jesus. Everything to him. Are you willing to do that? He wants to meet you right where you are. And the name and the place says it all. Jesus, Emmanuel, Bethlehem, He is your bread. He is your source. He is your salvation. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And He wants to change your world and supply you with everything that you will need beyond your thoughts or imagination. He does.